and welcome to another episode of Locked On Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off of your next order. For those of you who didn't listen to the Thursday or Friday episodes, I am your new host, Brandon Olson. You can find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. I am the founder of Whole9Sports.com where you can find all of my written work. I hope you had a relaxing Easter weekend because... I am in the process of moving, so I absolutely did not. Today, we're going to be spread out pretty evenly. We'll take a look at the women's college basketball season. AJ Black from Lockdown Boston College is going to hop on to talk about CJ Felder transferring from Boston College to UF. And we'll wrap up the show by taking a look at where Florida Gators are winding up in the latest NFL mock drafts. But... Before we get started, just a quick reminder to follow Locked On Gators wherever you listen to podcasts so that you'll never miss an episode. On Friday, we spoke about the eventful season the Florida Gators basketball team had, for lack of a better term. So flipping sides to the Florida Gators women's basketball team, and the term to use there would be disappointing. The Gators finished just below 500, and they really struggled in SEC play, going just 3-4-11 in the conference. The Gators got off to a hot start, going 7-1 in their first eight games, but then conference play opened up and they simply collapsed. To be fair to them, they faced seven top 25 teams in those 14 conference games. Towards the end of the season, The Gators managed to upset number 13 Auburn in the first round of the SEC tournament, a team they had beaten previously. Unfortunately, though, the Gators lost to the Kentucky Wildcats in the second round of the SEC tournament, a team they had also lost to earlier in the season. The Gators would beat Charlotte in the first round of the WNIT before getting bounced by Villanova in the second round. The stars of the Gators women's basketball team were guards Lavender Briggs and Kiara Smith, who accounted for 38.3 points per game, over half of the Gators' points per game. Kiki Smith also led the team in rebounds and assists. Unfortunately, though, as a redshirt senior, we've seen the end of Kiki's time with the Florida Gators, and now it's time to look into who will step up not only as a leader, but as a focal point of the offense. My primary candidate is Nina Rickards. Nina had a phenomenal season this year as she made strides compared to her freshman year. Nina's also listed as the shortest player in the roster this year, but she plays significantly bigger. She was second on the team in rebounds, including two games where she had 15 rebounds, and she led the team in offensive rebounds. Rickards also saw her scoring output increase from 5.6 to 8.6, which kept her third on the team in scoring. So her rebounding numbers nearly doubled as well, and she more than doubled her total steals from the year before. Jordan Merritt, a freshman forward from Texas, could also be a name that we could expect to hear a lot more of in coming seasons. 
Merritt had a relatively quiet season for the most part, but we saw her absolutely erupt in the WNIT win over Charlotte, where she finished with 17 points and 18 rebounds, both of which were career highs. A name that we didn't hear called a ton this season, but I do think that we'll hear a lot more from in the coming seasons, was Floor Tunders, a freshman forward from the Netherlands. She's someone who, she played more of a rotational role this year, but she could really become a focal point of this Gators team for years to come. This would require her to be a little bit more aggressive than she's shown so far, as she only took on average i think it's three points per game so she's shown the ability to score i mean in the second matchup against georgia she shot seven for eight from the field two for two from the free throw line and had a career high 16 points and she had another game earlier in the season where she had 13 rebounds she's shown that she could play at a high level occasionally we just need to see her do it on a more consistent basis Again, I think Nina Rickards is the one that's most likely to step up into that prime role, mainly because Kiki Smith was a guard, Nina Rickards is a guard. Jordan Merritt and Floor Tunders are forwards, so there's a guard spot open there. But also, Jordan Merritt and Floor Tunders just finished their freshman year. If they can make jumps the same way that Nina did from her freshman to her sophomore year, then in their junior and senior years, we can see Jordan Merritt and Floor Tunders really step up and become just a focal point of this Florida Gators offense, which, I mean, we know they can use. They've had a rough go for the past four years. They've gone 46 and 71 combined. I would, however, be willing to bet that this Florida Gators team is going to kick things up in the coming years. Speaking of betting... Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, NHL, and MLB are in full swing. And tonight is the Men's College Basketball Championship. Bet online even covers award shows, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time, updated odds, and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, the big news on Friday was that the Florida Gators basketball team brought in two transfers. The first was Missouri-Kansas City guard Brandon McKissick, who we'll talk more about in depth tomorrow. The second was the 6'7", 230-pound forward from Boston College, C.J. Felder. To get more information about Felder, I'm here with A.J. Black, the host of Lockdown Boston College and editor-slash-publisher of the BC Bulletin. A.J., give me some background on C.J. Felder here. Hey, thanks for having me on, Brandon, and welcome to the Lockdown family. 
Um, so CJ Felder, he's a sophomore, just finished his sophomore year. He came to Boston College as a 17-year-old freshman, one of the youngest players in the ACC in 2019-20. And he played like that. He was very raw. He struggled on both ends of the court. You know, he had games where he'd show flashes here and there, but for the most part, he struggled. And it was a big, big steep learning curve, I would say, for Felder that freshman year. Now, he, you know, the, the starting center ended up leaving Boston College in um, at the end of the year, and Felder took over. He became the starter, and he came back sophomore year looking like a different player. You know, first of all, physically, he looked much bigger, and he just bulked up, um, and which is which isn't uncommon for you know high school kids going after their you know two years of hit in the weight room um, and he played bigger. He played bigger on both ends of the court. You know, he started to hit more shots, much more confident in his offensive part of his game and his defense was there, but Boston college's defense in general wasn't very good. And the biggest issue for Felder, I thought was that he, as you mentioned, Brandon was six, seven, was put in as a center and, you know, as a, you know, centers, in the ACC, a lot of them are seven feet tall, seven one, and he's he's he got beaten up, and those centers really kind of took it to him. So, what if you know what was the main reason that CJ Felder transferred from Boston College, and what were some of the other schools in consideration? Yeah, that's that's a great question. So, uh, Jim Christian, if, you know, Boston College played Florida and got run out of the gym earlier this year, and Jim Christian. Um, finished I think it was his seventh season with Boston College and he had about a 33 win 33% win win percentage win uh in just overall and then like 25% win percentage um in ACC play so they were terrible they were just a terrible team and the the play of the school the like just the program was a complete disaster so Christian got fired with it with like three weeks left in the school school year to go in the schedule and uh, Felder, from everything I've heard, ended up I, I he he waited until the new guy was hired. So we hired Earl Grant from the College of Charleston. Um, but I, for everything I've heard was that um, Felder had his toes in the water before that and was kind of flirting with some other schools. But he was very popular with SEC schools. He had um, interviews with Arkansas, Alabama. Texas A&M and I'm missing one, but I know he had a a fourth or fifth one. So he, you know, he's a South Carolina guy. So being from that area, it made a lot of sense for him to, to do that. So um, I think he just probably looked at a lot of schools and wanted to be in the sec. I am. uh, I'm thrilled that he came here as opposed to any of the other SEC. (laughs) I'm sure. Uh, Especially because I don't know if you know this, but Florida lost seven of their, key players to uh, uh to either the draft or transferring uh so, so they lost about three quarters of their scoring so we need some help now um so on a positive note is how i like to start things off usually when we're talking about a player uh what are some of cj felder's strengths so felder i feel is a good interior offensive player and in terms of strength this is going to sound like a cop-out answer I, I see I see his strength being more of his potential. Like he started to really take off this year. And I feel like if he's in a good system, put in at a power forward or wing spot, he's gonna really flourish. And I think he he could average, you know, 13, 14 points a night. 
and give you some good rebounding because in in blocks too. I mean, he's a good he's a good defender in terms of getting some um, athletic jumps in to, to swat away some some passes and shots. Um, I I think he has that potential. He's good and strong to the hole. Um, not really a, a consi- consistent outside shooter, but I, I like that offense, um, and I think that'll be a, a strength that he brings to the Gators. And then what are some of his weaknesses? Because obviously, young guy, he's still, what, 18 now? Uh, he's very yep. far from a finished product. So what is he not great at? Defense. I, I um, You know, the bit, and it wasn't just him, but he was a symptom of an issue with Boston College. And that was uh, BC, like you, you got the ball inside and they were just, they were just, it was like Olay and, and, you know, guys would just dunk and get, get the easy high percentage shots in over and over and over again. And a lot of it was on Felder. Felder just couldn't get out of his own way to stop stuff. Um, he's also got issues with turnovers. He's very sloppy with the ball. And, um, you know, I, I think too, like, just like some of the, the mental stuff, but I, the, the thing with Felder though, as I said, with his strengths, these are all coachable stuff. Like if Mike White can fix this, if he can, you know, put him in his system and really coach him up, Felder can be that next level player. And so there, there are issues right now, but I, I, I think a lot of it is his youth and playing in a system that was just terrible. And then to end it all, how has he developed as a player during his time at BC? I know that you mentioned he physically developed, but what are some other areas where he improved? You know, with Felder, in terms of improvement, you saw him being much more confident as a player, right? So, at, at, you know, when he was, you know, a freshman and he's thrown out there and, and asked to play major minutes in the ACC, you know, he had that deer in the headlight look at times. But last year, you saw a little bit more swagger to him. You saw him improve with some of his techniques, especially down low. Um, and play, you know, even though he was six, seven, sometimes you couldn't tell he was six, seven because he played so athletically. Um, so I think all of those pieces ended up becoming um, much more, uh, it helped him develop a much more rounded game. And I think there's much more there, but that was where he ended up at the end of his sophomore year. Awesome. So, I mean, I'm hoping that he can get coached up. I know that Florida fan base is very unhappy with Mike White right now and how some of the things went this season. So hearing a lot of, uh, he could be coached up, I'm sure is not super promising to some Gators fans. Uh, but I, I'm going to stay an optimist with it, and I'm going to hope for the best there. Uh, thank you for your time, AJ. Don't forget to follow AJ on Twitter at AJBlack underscore BC and hear more from him on Locked On Boston College. Thank you, Brandon. With 18 delicious flavors, including recent Built Bar champion, Coconut Brownie Chunk, Built Bar is the best protein bar on the market. Personally, I'm a cookie dough chunk or peanut butter brownie kind of guy. Those are my preferences. But if you're trying to eat clean, but you've got a sweet tooth like me, that is no longer a problem. Built Bar is your low-calorie low sugar, high protein, high fiber solution. You can even enjoy it if you're keto. 
Remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your next order. That is LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, 1515 to get 15% off of your next order at BuiltBar.com. It's April, and the Locked On NFL Network of Podcasts is shifting into draft mode. April 19th through the 23rd for the ultimate 2021 mock draft featuring analysis from NFL experts Michael Irvin, Brian Baldinger, and Michael Lombardi. Find out who trades up, who trades back, and who selects the next young star. Stay tuned for more info about where you can find the ultimate 2021 mock draft. The NFL Draft is less than a month away, so everyone and their mother is going to be releasing mock drafts every Monday. So every week until the draft, I'll take a look at where draft analysts have Florida Gators going, and I'll give my opinion on their analysis. Also, to keep things fresh, I'll be rotating in some mock drafts from smaller websites, larger websites. We'll go nuts with it. First off, the Draft Network's Brentley Weissman just released his latest mock draft. In it, only one Gator went in the first round, and it was of course Kyle Pitts. Weissman had Pitts going fourth overall to the Atlanta Falcons. Some other mock drafts I looked at, Hayden Winks from Yahoo Sports and Dan Kiefer from Coast to Coast Scouting also had Pitts winding up in Atlanta, although for Dan Kiefer, it was by way of trading down with Denver to the ninth pick. This is one of those situations to me where the Falcons, despite their defensive needs, focus on adding more weapons and adding the best player available. I don't care who's on the board, Kyle Pitts is the best player available. That is a fact for me. Okay? Just want to point that out. I do genuinely think this is one of the best possible places that Pitts can wind up if he's going to contribute right away. With Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley taking up the attention on the outside, there's going to be a ton of space for Kyle Pitts to work, not only underneath, but in the middle of the field with just corners paying attention to other receivers, and Matt Ryan should be able to find him consistently. Ian Cummings of Pro Football Network released a three-round mock draft yesterday, so we'll get to see a few Gators here. Ian had Kyle Pitts going to the Lions 7th overall. I know they have TJ Hawkinson, but this is something that's actually been explored a good deal. It was even brought up at the Gators Pro Day if Kyle Pitts had thought about working with another great tight end, and TJ Hawkinson with the Lions was specifically brought up. The idea is having two great tight ends, one that could move out to wide receiver at any time, and it would make this offense an absolute nightmare to deal with. And while it's a nice thought, I'm not super confident that this Lions coaching staff would be creative enough to make it happen. In the second round, Ian had offensive weapon, because like I said before, I will not call him a wide receiver, offensive weapon Kadarius Toney ending up with the Baltimore Ravens. This is an interesting selection to me because that offense, they seem to need more of a big body possession type. And all of us know that Kadarius Toney is not that kind of guy. He's shifty. He needs to be given the ball in space and just let him make plays. I do think his presence will absolutely make this offense much more lethal because it's just one more guy on the field that can strike fear into your hearts 
granted not fear in the same way of getting run over but fear in the sense of he will demolish your ligaments all over your body (laughs) i don't know if he'll be super productive if he were to wind up with the ravens but i do know that this offense would get significantly better so i like the pick for the team i just don't like the pick for the player I mentioned Hayden Wing's mock draft earlier where he had Kyle Pitts going to the Atlanta Falcons fourth overall. And in that mock, it had Kadarius Toney go to the Tennessee Titans in the second round. The Titans recently promoted tight ends coach Todd Downing to offensive coordinator. The last time he was the offensive coordinator was for the Las Vegas Raiders in 2017. I realize that this seems completely unrelated, but bear with me. This relates to Kadarius Tony because those 2017 Raiders had Corderell Patterson, a player who, while he's very different build and even very different play style from Kadarius Tony, they both play receiver running back hybrids. Tennessee could be an ideal landing spot for Kadarius Tony. It's a place where he would have a lethal running game with Derrick Henry, and defenses have to respect Derrick Henry an offensive coordinator who's familiar with versatile weapons like Kadarius Toney and Cordero Patterson, a quarterback who can get Toney the ball frequently because Ryan Tannehill has no problem sharing the wealth, and opportunity because the Titans lost 48% of their team targets to free agency, mainly in Jonu Smith and Corey Davis. Austin Gale of Pro Football Focus is going to be the last mock draft that we look at tonight. In this mock, it was a two-round mock draft, we see Kyle Pitts and Kadarius Toney both go again. They're the only two Gators. I'm sorry that Kyle Trask was not in any of the mocks, even though he probably should have been. Um, In Austin Gale's mock draft, the first round, Kyle Pitts goes to the Cincinnati Bengals at number five overall. And I realize with the Bengals, it's mainly been, do we talk about Jamar Chase or Panay Sewell? And in this case, they go Kyle Pitts, who's the best pass catcher in this draft, without a doubt. Literally no question at all. So the idea here, and Austin explains this, is you can't go wrong. You're drafting a player that is going to be a stud for you early on. But he says... Pitts can immediately be the Bengals' top receiving option and the top five tight end in the NFL as a rookie. He's that good. And he's not wrong, but even additionally to that, just how good he is, this Bengals' offensive line is more than one player away from being good. So get a tight end who your young quarterback can check it down to frequently and let them make some plays because we all know that Joe Burrow is going to have to check the ball down frequently if he's going to avoid taking huge shots. Finally, Kadarius Toney goes in the second round, number 49 overall, to the Arizona Cardinals. And this is something that I hadn't really thought too much of before, but this is also one of those perfect fit situations. Kadarius Tony is a player who we all know works when he's absolutely at his best in space. This air raid offense is meant to get players in space and let them pick up yards after the catch. 
that's that's a fact that's what the cardinals do they want to get the ball in space to playmakers and just let them make plays Kadarius tony is a perfect fit for that offense they have a young quarterback who can move around and get the ball to him and they'll have a young head coach who's willing to get a bit creative with things and I do think the Cardinals would use Kadarius Tony as a running back, as a receiver, maybe as a kick returner. Make him do a whole bunch of fun things. He used to play quarterback in high school. Throw him back there. Let him do it. Let him have some fun. I think the Cardinals and Titans, the two teams that we saw take Kadarius Tony in these mocks, are fantastic fits for him. And he would be incredibly productive. But the Ravens one, I'm not a huge fan of. That about does it for this episode of Locked On Gators. Join me tomorrow to recap the series versus Ole Miss baseball. We'll talk about another incoming Florida basketball transfer in Brandon McKissick. And we'll take a look at the Florida Gators baseball season so far. Once again, I am Brandon Olson. You can find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. You can find all of my written work at Whole9Sports.com. That's W-H-O-L-E n-i-n-e sports.com and now check out locked on boston college part of the locked on podcast network you heard host aj black on here earlier talking about cj felder he's covering felder and so much more on a daily basis at locked on boston college